Carpe Diem, a safe haven for all things geek. In a sea of shows about games, movies, RPGs, GM advice, there is only one Carpe Diem Game Care. Game Care. All right, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. This is the Carpe Diem Gamecast. I'm Dan. Oh, we just... Sorry. I'm Brian. I'm Mac. I'm Steve. And we have a special guest. I'm Lucas. Lucas, welcome to the show. What up, Lucas? Hello, Lucas. So, uh, Elephant in the Room, uh, new theme song, guys. Oh, that's happening now? Yeah, <laughs> it just did. You just heard it. What'd you think? It's good. Uh, that's pretty cool. It's, yeah. it's metally. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, I like it. I was it's like, good. <laughs> you're finally starting to record audio without your hand in front of your mouth. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, it did sound like a yeah, like a '90s video game theme song. Great. <laughs> I um I, I spent a little money, got some uh, royalty free music, and putting a new a new sound to the beginning of the of the episodes on the feed. Never heard back from Lindsey Sterling actually. Um, so I had to nix that one. Oh, but, is that that like violin chick? Yeah. Oh, she's never going to do anything for us, dude. Oh, uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> she, she Come does, on. She does stuff for money. She's an independent it's like, artist. It's not like we're Zuckerberg <laughs> here. <laughs> she's an independent artist. Um, <laughs> like we're suck. In any case, uh, so I had to redo Tangent's theme, which is up on the last episode. Sounds good, by the way. Good. I listened to both of them. Good. Yeah, it sounds really good. Uh, I've had had a, a lot of good feedback about tangents. Yeah, um, I've had uh, nothing but comments out of it, so there are nothing but uh, compliments. So that's been great. And um, <laughs> apparently, it it works. One of our listeners, Rendrin, uh, sent me an email and said, you know, I can't listen to it at work because uh, it it ruined his productivity. And the tagline for that show was um, conversations that cause lapses in productivity. <laughs> so uh, check that one's done. Um, I've got a couple other songs in the bank yet that we, for, uh, if I do another, when we have another interview episode, I'll have a different theme for that. And, uh, we've got a, an iron in the fire for a show called Class Dismissed that we're going to start uh, putting out on the feed from time to time as well. And I'll have a new theme for that. But, uh, all in all, it's been pretty progressive. I've wanted to change the theme for the show for a while and I just haven't had time to re-record anything or, um get together with other musicians to do anything so just decided to bite the bullet and pay for some stuff um and you'll notice that i haven't been doing the uh featured independent artist because i want to try to eliminate as many things as i can to get the show out on a more regular basis so in order to get the shows out on time i have to trim as much of it as i can Train's got to run on time. So I'm using uh, a, a, a song that I used in the past uh, by a guy named Chase Plot called "Witches Remastered" um, <laughs> that I that I had gotten the right gotten permission to use for uh, a, a different project. And uh, there's a funny story about that. <laughs> Porn. <laughs> there's was, a, yeah. There's a funny story about that. You can find it on the uh, next episode of Tangents. We'll have it on there. So make, make sure to tune in. <sighs> hear about Chase Plot and his "Witches Remastered." So. Let's just take a quick break and come back with what's on our horizon.
All right. Who do we want to start with? With what? What's on our horizon? Oh. Brian, oh, what's on your horizon? You almost got me there. <laughs> what, um, what have you been doing? Man, I've been doing a handful of things. Um, I think last time I was talking, I mentioned that I was on my quest to complete the Pokedex. Um, Mission accomplished? Oh God, no! This is <laughs> this is this is going to be a long drudging thing here. He has started to rage at the games. It's gotten a little annoying to me. Uh, one of them was a little more hard than I expected, platinum, and I think it's because I pushed through without training as hard as I was supposed to. So, like, I was super underleveled for the Elite Four, but uh, you know, and I just beat my head against the wall until I beat it. That's been taking up a lot of my time. Uh, I want to give, I'm sure anybody who likes Pokemon already knows, but kind of a little shout out to this guy who does a YouTube channel who's pretty popular. His name's Jay Wits. Uh, he's been really helpful. Everything's what's, really cool. What's the name of the channel? Uh, Jay Wits, the Jay Wits, All I right. think. I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, he, he's great. Um, he does a lot of awesome videos. And, uh, so if anybody doesn't know him and likes Pokemon, check him out. You'll really, really like his channel. Um, he was on that King of the Nerds show for a couple episodes too. He's a contestant. Yeah. Um, is it like, uh, is it just like strategy stuff for, um, for fights? He'll do or? like random, no, he'll do like random like Pokemon facts of the day and stuff where it's like, did you know about this and stuff? Or like, did you know how shinies work? Do you know how like EVs work and like how evolution works and like the history of the game? And he also plays the card game. So it's a lot of like stuff about like the history of the card game and, Stuff like that. And then he has like top 10 lists of his like most, you know, favorite Pokeballs, favorite this and this, you know, and, and he'll talk strategy and stuff too. So. All right. Cool. Yeah. He's really neat. Um, and I, me and Mac and a couple other people have been recently replaying a little bit of Diablo three because I got a new patch out and new expansions coming out. So that's pretty fun. I've been having a lot more fun with that than the first time around. So cool. yeah. yeah. Diablo three made itself a lot easier. They made, they're doing what they call loot 2.0. So the loot drops are a lot better. You get legendaries all the time now. The game's a little bit easier. You go through it faster, and they're getting rid of the auction house. So all, think, all like in today advance. or tomorrow, it's like yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, all in advance of their new expansion coming out, which also looks pretty cool. All right, uh, let's let's move to Lucas. All right, Lucas. Uh, same thing I ask everybody new to the show. What's your geek? Um, mostly RPGs, actually. All right. And cheeseburgers. <laughs> and every damn board game you've ever heard of. And other well, more double cheeseburgers. Yeah. But RPGs <laughs> are what I've been playing since, like, middle school. And uh, when I got into high school, uh, Brian here actually ran the majority of the games I played in. Okay. And mm-hmm. since then, I uh, basically, when, when 4th edition came out is when I started GMing three times a week sometimes. Nice. <laughs> there, what, was, um, uh, there was half a year there where I was in five separate campaigns. <laughs> so that was... Wow, that was, that was the peak. What have you played primarily? Dungeons and Dragons or anything else? Yeah, I've played mostly D anD. d I was in a World of Darkness campaign for a while. That was that was pretty good. I've played GURPS, uh, Quags, if, if you count that. Absolutely, Quags <laughs> is awesome. great. Um, played Fiasco a bit recently. We've Love been doing, Fiasco. Yeah, we've been doing two or three games of Fiasco. Uh, not much else that I can think of okay. RPG wise. So, how long have you been GMing? Uh, I guess since two thousand eight. All right. A respectable amount of years. Yeah, and for for a number of those years, I was running the organized play for fourth edition up at Heroic Adventures, the D and D Encounters program. But I stepped down on that whenever I I left there. All right. So uh, I say welcome. And what what have you been doing lately? Um. Well, the last couple of months, I've been playing through Final Fantasy games. I uh, 
decided I wanted to clear out all the ones that I hadn't beaten in the past, which is the majority of the series. So I've uh, played through three, four, uh, eight, halfway through nine. The re-release of ten comes out tomorrow, actually, and right. so I'll be oh, blowing cool. through nine to finish that. And then I've been, uh, just today actually, was the first session where I was organizing my homebrew system campaign, where we're trying out sort of a, a more freeform storytelling-oriented system where you don't have stats so much as just attributes, and you make an argument for how it applies to any given role. Okay. That sounds pretty cool. I didn't even know you were doing that. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear what, hear what, uh, hear a little bit more about that, actually. Um, <laughs> sounds kind of gay. <laughs> well, it's, it's still sort of in its infancy, but right, right. now. <laughs> Infant gay. Yeah. Wow, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, Facts on fire. Yeah. The the original concept was we were playing a we were playing a game of fourth edition as a as a monster campaign. And the the rules for the actual gameplay felt really restrictive to what the players wanted to do. Right. They wanted to go out and do more like dramatic and showy things that were a little outside the bounds of of any of the powers. And once we once we moved past powers and were just house ruling basically everything, it seemed more prudent to just the ditch, whole thing. ditch the yeah. rules entirely. I told my players to just scrap their character sheets, write down six keywords or six terms that describe their character in some okay. way. Uh, so the guy that played a minotaur wrote down like big horned minotaur, <laughs> like just like really basic open right. descriptive keywords like that. And then we, we sort of went from there where it's a dice pool system. And if any given role involves one of those attributes, you get an extra die. Have you uh, have you looked into fate? I have not actually. I've heard a lot about it in the past. You should check out fate. It's uh, it's got something. It's got a. Uh, Is that the one that's like six million pages long? Uh, that's hero. I think you're thinking of fate. Core is actually a pretty compact board. Oh. Cr- pretty compact yeah, book. It's, it's one of the universal rule systems, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. But fate has an aspect system that is uh, where you get aspects of your character that are spelled out um, like rock and roll god you know and so you know you anytime that you can get rock and roll god to to fit a situation you get uh, advantages okay yeah that's un- like one of the things i've been struggling is is making the rules more concrete in this game because yeah. <laughs> we so check out like, fate if it's no- like stereotyping rather than like numeric modeling um yeah and also situational manipulation then at that point because you want to try to invoke your you contrive it yeah you want to try to invoke your yeah your yeah. aspects uh, and you also might want to compel someone else's negative aspect in a situation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, it's a pretty cool system. You look at it, might give you some inspiration anyway. Huh? Yeah. Hey, that, uh, that, uh, monster campaign where you checked away all the rules. Is that the one where a friend of the show, Garber, played a bugbear, werebear named Garbear? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> he, he did. I, I made that character for him. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. He that's was, hilarious. he was noncommittal, so that's what he got. <laughs> if Fair I'm correct, enough. you also have a player in that campaign who hates puns. Uh, yeah, that that would be that would be Nathan, yeah. <laughs> infamously in the in the you very are, first. You are a cruel GM, sir. <laughs> yeah, in the first fourth ed campaign he ever ran, there was a uh, a trap involving the use of a bear. So about a million bear puns. <laughs> were, were made. That's funny. All right. Well. Um, Keep us posted on that for sure. That's uh, I mean, I'm interested. I am too. Steve, how about you? No, fuck uh, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Golf clap. <laughs> Roll the music. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're right. Mac? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my Are you Yeah, I'm totally going. No, fuck that. <laughs> Steve, what are you doing, man? I had a bit of a... You know, uh, <laughs> a while ago, somebody uh, was talking to me about the campaign I'm doing right now, the Adventure Path. Right. And they were saying like... They were trying to do dialogue or do like a rapport with one of the uh, NPCs that's written into the adventure path. And the, I, I kind of realized that the amount of stuff that I have to read to the players to continue the adventure path that's right. like pre-written almost like distracts the GM, like distracts me from responding to their conversations with the the npcs that was one of the problems that i have with running structured adventures like that is that i, I lose my improv it's like i'm trying to keep up with the adventure path and i i kind of forget to acknowledge the like back and forth exchanges between the players and the npcs or i couldn't like i don't put in i couldn't put in enough enough flair into it so have to you- make their the conversation that they're trying to get going interesting so have you done anything to to write that situation or uh i'm gonna try to like focus more on the the unwritten stuff that's in the adventure path that i could probably elaborate on during the game to make the the npcs seem a bit more uh a lot dynamic yeah you're gonna start using the adventure path like a prompt rather than as a complete thing i i I think more or less i haven't really i mean i'm playing in that game i haven't really noticed it too much like now the gm's always is own toughest critic. It's yeah. just that the example that the, the person gave me was pretty specific, and I remembered it clearly. I was like, "Yeah, you know, you're right." I just like a thought that kind of I had today about the adventure paths and how they s- could sort of become more of a restrictive. How, yeah. Have you read the adventure path in its entirety? I have not. Or are you just kind of reading and learning as you go? Uh, I've read the entire first book and like twenty percent of the second book, and you're. You're still in the first book as far as the we're like the goes. first ten percent of the first yeah. book, right? We're yeah, we're still in the first half of the first book. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I have never <laughs> been good at running running package yeah. campaigns. I always just uh, get them and plunder them for adventure ideas and that's just that what I do. read them as the other stories. Yeah. And uh, exactly the second thing uh, recently, I've been on a Godzilla kicker because this new movie that's coming out, Godzilla. Yeah, doesn't re- <laughs> necessarily doesn't necessarily. What's it? What's it called again? What was that? Wasn't the name of that? What's the name of that Godzilla movie? Doesn't necessarily have me stoked to uh, see it or anything, even though it's Brian Cranston. Right. Wait, you well, don't you have like a boner for Godzilla? You want to see this movie, right? He likes crappy Japanese. Godzilla. I like the yeah. I mean, I'll probably see it, but it's just it's it's basically like. Come on, after that. It's shit pile Pacific Rim. Yeah. Don't you want like an actual movie whoa, about? Whoa. It's, uh, no, you're just, just going to find out that it's some, yeah. yeah, it's not Godzilla. It's some iguana that Walt White. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> got yeah. all hyped up on. Yeah, it got, uh, got nuclear tested on. It's and, basically yeah. like you, it's been hunting for Matthew Broderick for the rest of his life. Yeah. You know how there were Batman movies, and then there were the Chris Nolan Batman movies, and yeah, everybody right. was like, "Hey, we can really dig these." It's kind of like. It went in reverse for Godzilla, where there's like all the other old movies, which are like the canon stuff, right. and then they made Matthew Broderick, and now they're doing this, <laughs> and then they and made it's like, Matthew why? Broderick. <laughs> but uh, it made me start thinking about it in a, a gaming sense, like how could you represent 
or have player characters tackle a situation like the one that something like Godzilla poses? Like, do you just put a giant foot in the middle of the game? <laughs> is, it, is it like the Monty Python intro where they're just walking and all of a sudden... <laughs> <laughs> the best Godzilla games are ones where you play as Godzilla. Yeah. So what? obviously the whole... yeah. I don't no, think so. I think they should. I, I don't think so either. The Nintendo games, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> the PC should uh, find some way to band together to stop it. But yeah, it just made me start thinking about how like so. I mean, widespread uh, destruction. Like it would have to be. Such... Are you talking like Cloverfield? Then at that point, do you have a few people, maybe a couple yeah, of operatives and stuff. Survivor. I'm trying yeah. to think the of tropes of giant monster. I'm trying to think of how to make it fun. And that the the two things like sort of conclusions I sort of drew where you either make it where they're fighting the monster or they're dealing with other stuff that's like uh, effects of this giant monster going through the setting. You know what I mean? Like he did it two years ago and this is what you're dealing with or it's it's happening right now? Or like trying to get either one of those, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or- I'm, I'm, I'd almost be interested in just like start running a campaign without any mention of it whatsoever and just have it happen like oh by the way this giant monster is coming out of damn ocean let me throw this one at you have you seen the world war z movie like 20 minutes of it and then i was like done (laughs) i read the book i enjoyed it i thought the movie was pretty good and i like how i like the parts of it well i mean it's hugely different from the book obviously but I, i like what it does it's a story about not a guy who's trying to deal with the zombies but a guy who's like not fighting them in any given scenario. Really. I know what you mean. Yeah, that's the, the book's the same way. He's yeah. trying to track it back, and yeah, yeah it's kind of like that. But it tells a bunch of unrelated stories for, to that purpose. Yeah. What if your team is not actively like soldiers or paratroopers or tank drivers who are fighting Godzilla? What if they're not firefighters who are trying to rescue? What if they're people who are trying to like figure out what the hell this thing is? You can move it through stages. You can have them be like yeah. somebody works for the Navy and they can see it coming underwater. And that's stuff. cool. Like that's kind of what I'm talking about because and then they're trying to figure out how to beat it. Like. It made me realize that it's kind of difficult, and I've never really thought about how to take games like D and D and put it on like a macro level. You know what I mean? Well, what what what, what just occurred to me when when Max said that was like, you got a group of five people around your table. You're the GM. You got four players. You mentioned specifically you're you're in the Navy. You can see it coming through underwater and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that the four people around the table are are Navy operatives in a submarine somewhere watching a couple of screens and you're narrating a scene I like, explaining what happens? I like the idea of it being where the GM already has made the characters for you kind of thing. Where so then you the gave me the idea like, like once before where you like you come up with these dossiers, you yeah. put them in like a manila folder and you're like yeah. they have like one word on them that like vaguely describes like the the character or whatever, and then like they are the characters that are important to the story somehow of because of Godzilla and like how to stop it and stuff. But like yeah, yeah like I said, like maybe Marine one's like a scientist. Yeah. yeah. Like one's maybe one's like a CIA agent or something that's like part yeah. of the in you know, intelligence that is you've maybe learned that the whole thing is like a government thing that they created it and everything like that. And yeah. your well, character knows what that. I was saying is, yeah. how do you do that, that as the a colonel, you know? as yeah. a group? Like you, you move out of the, then you, after a role playing a couple of scenes, you move out of the, the submarine and you move to the geologists on the, in, in, Washington State, who yeah, I think now are seeing, st- and, and all the players are different characters, and you role play a couple of scenes there, and then eventually, after you role play a few scenes that way, you put things together, 
uh, somebody, you role play people who put things together, and then that begins the the active part of the campaign. Okay, so the idea that I originally had was that you would just like say you're some navy guy who's out on a boat and you can see this thing coming, then turn to another player. You're when when the thing first made landfall, you were in you you were one of the first ranking military officers <sighs> who like saw the and and going that 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 you have all been pulled together to deal with this and then setting them off from there. I really like your idea though because you can do the same thing yeah and have have four of them play through the scene rather than just reading it like it's exposition. I'm have saying four of them play like, through the submarine. Yeah. Have four of them play through the the military response. Have four of them play through and then pull one of those characters from each. And then you have a fantastic... And then make up a party and they can run with it. Online game. Right. Yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, that's, that's, that's hard, the, That's it? the mark of a good RPG is that it would be good in other <laughs> uniforms. Yeah. What that's, do you mean like a good online game? Uh, like a Google Plus game or something like this that. This is an amazing yeah. hook for a... Yeah. yeah, it's pretty slick. It's really good. Yeah, I want to play this. Maybe, I feel we'll, like maybe we'll work on it a little bit. It would still be hard to... Yeah, then how make, do you tackle Godzilla you know what at I mean? that point? Because like, yeah, how do you how do you like macro a game? Because Build the first mech suit. It's difficult to run a game when the players don't have something to act upon that right. they feel they can really make a difference with. You know right. what I mean? I understand. It's, it's stupid to be like an ant in the anthill. Yeah, so the first half of the game is exposition, but, right. the, but then once you know what's happening, like what do you do next? Another cool Man thing that, like, can be appealing. Another cool thing you could do like yeah. they did in Cloverfield was like the thing like shit out little monsters. Right. And well, yeah, like, I, th- well, I see, think one of your penultimate boss fights is in this in his thing is going to be somewhere along the line you're going to find a baby one. Like yeah. in tracking it back, you're going to find out where it came from, and you're going to find, and you're going to yeah. fight a little one on a small scale. Or like, yeah, like things from its dimension, and like then you're going to dissect onto it. Right. it and you're going to dissect its body then, and then figure out how to defi- how to fight the big one or whatever. Yeah. The, the thing about it is, so maybe like, then the fight with Godzilla actually doesn't take place with the characters. Oh man, that's such right. That's what I'm. Ta- that's what I'm talking about. Like in Cloverfield. All it was was one corner people, of the world. People there. were running around, and they never really. Yeah, Cloverfield tried nice. to fight the monster. It's just them running around, and you, every once in a while you see a shot of this foot like swinging over everyone's yeah. head, and they're I, like, "Oh I my think, god, a building chunk!" I think that's only really <laughs> compelling is like an intro segment. I think I think to feel like you've really resolved the situation and you have played an active right. role, it has to be the players that ultimately defeat Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you you have them take charge or whatever. You yeah. do. You, you have them like in the beginning. You're having them play a bunch of ulterior characters, and then you have them play main characters for a big bunch of a campaign in which they figure out. And then when you actually go to fight them, you have them drop away from their characters a little bit, and now you're in charge of this like thing. And you, instead of making roles for like their characters, things you start. Or saying, you're a fighter I'm trying pilot. To get, I'm trying to get the 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 helicopters to move in this way, and you just start rolling against Godzilla, and you just macro it up. Yeah, drop yeah. drop into the like war scenario. Yes. Or you, yeah, yeah. There's there been out. roles for that, and yeah. Yeah, then they can then they can like RTS Godzilla, like that'll be great. Yeah, yeah that'll be tight. Yeah, it, or, or, it'd now, be turn based. But yeah, yeah. now you now you've got the guy who make was, it real time. Do that. Who was uh, on the <laughs> navy on the navy detail? Now all of a sudden he's the fighter pilot in the cockpit, and you can you know, or maybe they're all pilot fighter pilots or something, and you can run an airborne. Steve, I have okay, the greatest idea. Maybe like after like like things go crazy, we're like if you set up these. I like the idea of like you set up these scenes that go like all over the place in the world. We're like, yeah, you play as these different groups of characters, and it like, but like maybe after they all kind of like get together, you two like a Grand Theft Auto Five kind of thing. Where like at any given time, you could like drop those what's going on there and like be like oh well the scientists we found something out that the scientists need to do or something like that like as the marines and then like jump in as the scientists side and character then, like, missions snake or like every, yeah we just well, got, no. we just figured out 
No, yeah, it's like everybody's connected. He, he, like he eventually, like they all meet up with each other and get twix. like a radio until like they're all connected and trying to work. And so you could like jump in through characters and stuff like that to it accomplish. Sounds fun. Goals. I think it's I think it's doable. I think you're you're gonna take a, it's gonna take a lot of of different aspects to tell the story to keep it compelling. Because once you put Godzilla on the ground, you gotta have the war game. And if you don't, then I think so. Yeah. Hang on. I said, Steve, I have the greatest idea of it before. And now it's time to give it up. You need to record. For making this real time, you need to record the audio from a Godzilla movie <laughs> and just play it in front of them. This and and, and, and with, with like guys <laughs> like going, <laughs> yeah, it's like, from Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to launch the missiles, like you know, like and then the, oh, and then and then you're like telling the players, oh, Godzilla just destroyed a thing, like and just <laughs> sir, like, script out script out what the audio is, and then make them try to fight it in real time, like yeah. So here's the thing, though, I think <laughs> it's kind of boring. Here's the thing, though, you. As a player, I think it's kind of boring to act upon something. Like, if as a player, if I acted upon a huge monster like Godzilla, yeah, in the in game terms, it would be kind of boring because it's like yeah, I you gotta have resources. Like, I, what are you gonna run up and stab right. the toenails? Sometimes, you're right. Sometimes Bard kills. Okay. Smoke. Sometimes people aren't that inventive in D anD. d They're gonna. <laughs> it's true. always gonna be the person who's like. Uh, I guess I run up and hit it. <laughs> and okay, you can Step do that. On. High consequence campaign. But <laughs> you're not you're not going to see very much result for your effort. And right. I think it's, it's, it's a slow gonna, burn, man. You got to you got to <clears throat> build up to it and you got to really set the stage to um empower the PCs. If yeah. they rush the gun, then they're only causing themselves it's a lot of setup. It is a lot of setup, and that's why I was saying you have to make the setup interesting. Yeah. Where you are on the on the uh, naval vessel, and you you tell one of the one of the PCs this is what you see, and then let them role play it out, and then you just keep keep supplying supplementary information. That, oh, it's leaving a wake yeah. bigger than any ship that we've you know, and you just keep keep feeding them little bits and pieces as they're role playing. That is is information that's coming down the line. To them in real time. I just had another crazy idea for the way you kill it. You could, or like fight it. Instead of being like, well, you make the first mech or like the thing, or you could like work with the military and they're like the super soldier thing or like mutant genome or something. Then you can like put you it into like superpowers and shit like that. You can figure out how to give yourself superpowers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so tight. I mean, I mean, I guess the, the ultimate, uh, the, the easy button here is you, you get the setup and then you, you just play yeah. mech warrior and. <laughs> Plop Godzilla down on the map and you no, break out man. the old Fossa books and do it. Steve, you say this is a lot of work, but uh, this ain't no chicken shit campaign podcast. <laughs> yeah, this ain't. Welcome. <laughs> this is D Block. <laughs> All right, D Block. We Mac, don't play. What you been that doing? like turned into the whole episode. Do I have to talk? <laughs> 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 yeah, follow that. You should have went yeah. when I told you to, jerk. Damn it. We almost skipped him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, like Brian said. I've been playing some Diablo three. That's been kind of neat to go back to. That gameplay still really simple for for a video game. It doesn't do as much as it should. Stay a while. Stay a while. They kill him in the first act. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> like, Basically, you can get spoiler. like super drunk. Or, <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> you can get like super messed up and play that game. And be like, <laughs> seriously, I played it without my contacts or glasses on, and I could barely see this. It doesn't matter. You can just face roll. It's that Diablo. Game. It You're on normal matter. mode, dude. Turn it up to expert. I, I'm on expert. <laughs> my Ooh. my wizard is broken. You told me you were on normal mode. I'm on normal mode on my alt. My wizard is broken too. <laughs> I just haven't filled the prescription. It's all the problem. But we're getting there. <laughs> my wizard hat just doesn't talk anymore. 
Ever since the last Harry Potter. All right, movie so Diablo three. Anything noteworthy? I mean, uh, not it's a, a simple game. It's the same. Not Diablo three. Kane is dead. This just in. I'm not sure. I actually talked about this on the podcast, but but I have been thinking about how I want to. I've been, you know, it's my New Year's resolution to try to GM something, and I've been thinking about how to introduce characters. And I was going to do pre-made characters into my campaign and sort of read people into a situation. And I was going to do it as we've talked before about. The problems between DMs who overscript their campaigns versus all that stuff. But I think I can set a pretty good setting and give a bunch of hooks before I've ever involved the characters by basically just writing out a page exposition. Now, do you read that to them or do you expect them to read it? No, I, I'm going to read it to them. I'm going to okay. deliver it. I'm going to write it with Four-score. cadence and yeah. tone. and Oh, <laughs> He's going to be naked nice. eating butter. Yes, I was looking for the peanut butter joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's good enough. By tone, I mean these abs. <laughs> For those that's, of you at home, that's great abs. That's, <laughs> yeah. That is one ab. Yeah. The keg. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, um, so one, one page. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's really hard to sit up. <laughs> Not to do sit-ups. Just but, you know, sit just up. To, just to sit up. <laughs> Getting off the toilet's a chore. You gotta got a rock back and forth. Is that why the rope's hanging from the wall? Yeah. CC keeps coming loose. I thought you had a monkey. <laughs> just ropes everywhere. All right. <laughs> Carry on, Chim Chim. When you got <laughs> now I want ropes at like two feet intervals hanging from the ceiling in my house everywhere. Yeah. You can just brachiate through the house. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Brachiate. Is that what that is? Yeah. 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 Cool. Good word. Science. Steve, you are the first person I've ever met to actually use that in a sentence besides me. Every time I do it, somebody's like, that's not a thing. No, like, no it, it really Don't is. Don't brachiate my heart. I just did it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's those two things. And the third thing, I wanted to talk about this last week, but we didn't really have a chance. When Steve was setting up the campaign that he's currently running, we had a really interesting conversation at one point about somebody was trying to be a paladin but worship a not good god in Pathfinder. Yeah. He was trying to worship a no, not it wasn't that it was lawful good, it was that it was neutral chaotic. Was that what he was trying are, to worship? Are we slip sliding into alignment in, alignment two? Mm-hmm. Kind of, but it was about like the the, the real conversation about it was given D and D's alignment type system, can a a paladin worship a god? Paladins and Pathfinder have a required alignment of lawful good. Can he worship a god who's not lawful good? Based on the rule system, no, right? You're the D&D player, latest edition, right? In in Pathfinder, Pathfinder, it doesn't say say that. In 4th edition, um, you typically have to be within two alignment steps of of your deity, whatever it is. That's how it works for clerics. Clerics in Pathfinder, yeah. And in 4.0, but yeah, I don't I'd, think in path, as a paladin, it even like specifies that either. I could even see justifying. I think the, the, the conclusion I think we came to was I could even see justifying a half step away. You can yeah. worship a, a neutral good God and behave in a lawful good manner. Like, but I think what we were trying to tell him was a paladin's power source. It justifies their abilities based on the fact that they follow a code, that they are lawful and characteristic of their abilities good. In all the other, like, I have all the other like classes that follow a code and have powers based on like a code or a sect or whatever. It has rules for it for the different code for what your code would be if you were following and how to break it and what happens when you do. In this case, I I think it's reasonable to say that that lawful is a that if you have a code, you are lawful. There's a spinoff. 
And the spinoff here is it's not it's not in the rule book, and this comes down to my side of the fence, which is the storytelling side of the fence. Why would the evil god be interested in the good paladin? That that's what, why is he back? That's him? what we ended up telling him. He's like, can so I, can I behave answer- in all these ways though? But just say that I worship this other god. And I'm like, saying that you worship some other god is not the same thing as behaving in any way as conforms to their requirements. If you can, if you can answer that question, then I'm game. I'm always, I'm all for breaking every rule in the book. And basically, he couldn't in the in in the name of a good story. He wanted to behave in a chaotic, neutral way. Okay. Which w- would but, have basically disallowed all the storyline justifications for why a paladin has powers and why they're a paladin. Hmm. Yeah? Uh, Other yeah, people were there. <laughs> I agree. No, I, I, I agree. I don't think it matters. Set. But, again, if you can find... Uh, even with You the can write down whatever neutral. you want on your sheet. You're going to play the way you're going to play. <laughs> if that it, makes you happy, whatever. Well, that part kind of sucks. Even if you can... Even if you're chaotic neutral... If you can, if you can justify the answer to the question, he wanted to can, be chaotic. Uh, worship a chaotic good god. Was it chaotic good? Yeah. So okay. it really wasn't that far away. It was just like an idea of a character he had in his head, where he kind of didn't want to be like the doofy paladin who just graduated from paladin school. So he's still kind of like a ditzy teenager. But yeah, he, he wanted wish- to work. He wanted to worship like a hard rock god. Like what? Figured out. It wasn't. I mean, I know it was a literal god. Sit down and sit down and storyboard this thing. How you got to the point where you're at now. Go back a few years till to, to when you first decided to be a paladin, why you chose this god, and why this god accepts you. Well, also, he didn't know and what then, anti-paladins were. So, like, yeah. I started trying to introduce so, that. So, our resolution to the problem was, go make up your own god with your own alignment, who does whatever you wanted to do, and just <laughs> worship that. Really? Is that what you guys ended up doing? Yeah, and it worked out fine. Oh, man. Uh, fair enough, I guess. It just you're doesn't, using the Pathfinder campaign setting. It just doesn't matter. God. It doesn't yeah. matter. Who cares? I mean, I think that none of the rules matter. Why use a system? It comes the, the, down the first to line oh, in I, every, I agree. The first line in every D and D book is these are just guidelines, not rules. In every RPG book, that's it's a terrible it's, thing to say. Uh, it, it's it's true enough, but uh, if you if you are using D and D at all, then you should work around those rules and and within those rules as much as is right, possible. But my argument for this is that it doesn't affect the game whatsoever. And all. my argument for this is if everybody's on board. Then it's good, right? Yeah. If you can throw away any rule you want, or all the rules, or the uh, the entire pantheon, if everybody is on board and bought in, it doesn't matter because the uh, the, the focus is to tell an intriguing story for my games or to have fun uh, for everybody's games, I imagine. And if everybody's bought in, I don't see the problem with tossing out any rule or, or changing anything. Kind of makes me wonder though that if and this isn't what happened in this case, but if somebody says I want to do this and you're like you can't, it's not in the rules. First of all, why did you say you can't in the first place? Why would anyone ever point to the rules? Second of all, if they say they can't and they just go, yeah, but I want to anyway, and you have this precedent of that they can just go make up whatever they want, aren't they just always going to do that? Isn't anyone always going to no. play once whatever you get the going, they want? Once you get going, there's, there's, a, there's a social contract. I mean, if I say, if we're going to sit down and we're going to play a game and it's going to be based on uh, Pathfinder's battle system, you know, if we're using the Pathfinder system and you want to worship a god that's not in the Pantheon, Pantheon, if if it's week one, we can talk about it. If it's week seven, you know, there might be a little bit of a bigger hurdle to jump. The, the question I have with, with any time something like this comes up where people want the exception to the way a certain class is structured is... Do they want that exception because it's it is compelling to the story and they right. ha- and they have a specific thing to tell, or do they just want that 
class mechanic yeah. and don't want to justify any of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly, I understand. I, I, I'm, I, I agree with you too, Lucas, like where it's like, if it has no bearing on the game and you're not trying to like power game and you're just trying to do it because like that's how you imagine your character and you want it to be like this and it's not going to adversely affect anything in the game whatsoever. I don't care what you do. Like if you want to come up with your own race and it's like, it's going to come down to care. where the roots come from. Once you've established your roots and you start moving forward, then everybody's kind of on board or they're not. And if they're not, then we need to reassess and ch- play a different game. I mean, we've been but, playing D and D with this guy for years. But if, 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 like Lucas said, what he's trying to do is completely uh, uh, screw up a specific uh, uh, skill tree or something like that. He ain't. Just because... I'm just taking it to the farthest end of the spectrum. Okay. Here. Just because I want to be able to have these five skills and they don't exist anywhere in a specific uh, skill skill list together, I want to play with all of the the ways to get to these skills and create a race and a, a class and a job that don't exist to make this thing happen. Uh, part of the fun for me is trying to figure out if we can do this. And then after that, if we can't, then we got to work something else out because this guy wants to play a thing that's not a, not a thing. So we got to figure out why he wants to play that thing and then find out what ways we can accommodate to get him to play something close to the thing he wants to play. And Brian, nobody's talking about this guy in particular. Our podcast, our, our podcast listeners don't care about some player in Steve's playgroup. We're talking about analogous situations in which some. No, I, I know. Okay. I just think that in that situation, like in these kind yeah, of situations, arguing about that there's situation. two types of like people. There's going to be people who are like doing it to like power game basically to be like, oh, if I can just slightly break this rule, I can be X more powerful. Oh, absolutely. Or if you're like talking about a guy like I'm talking about who's, who literally based a character off of a, what, what's the name of those stupid folders? Oh, oh yeah, Lisa Keepers. Frank. No, he based a character after Lisa Frank folders, like with like a kitty cat that had like like po- ponies and pink stars. Yes, yeah. like like that's what he wants. He doesn't care about what the rules do at all. I mean, he always makes the least powerful character in the group because he doesn't really care about what the spells or the skills. He or just has do. a specific. Yeah, thing he just wants to be this guy with this goofy thing. Well, I mean, as you, you as the GM or whoever you might be, if that's a thing that you can do and this guy's having fun, then so be it. Fucking run with it. Exactly. I want to throw this one out because I interpreted what Lucas said differently from the other from the two of you. Okay. I interpreted it as saying, first of all, the, there's one part of it that is if you're just trying to power game, that's obviously not justification. But I also interpreted what he said, and obviously, Lucas, you're going to be able to clarify this, mm-hmm. that the alteration of the class needs to have a compelling reason to the macro story, not to be not interfering and just have a micro part of the story. Like, it, were you trying to say that it needs to be that? making this exception needs to be relevant to actually making some plot point in the game or because he's only choosing this purely for like flavor and behavior reasons for his role play sitting at the table. No, I, I wasn't necessarily saying it has to be a, a macro reason. Like, like you said, it, okay. as long as it makes sense within the context of the character's own story. And I mean, if the macro points will come to come themselves. Like you'll yeah. be able to weave that stuff in once you get a feel for the flavor. They get right? created. It only needs to be macro to the point that th- this character didn't come out of a vacuum. He had to learn how to be this way from some set of NPCs. <laughs> like there has to be a guy that is also yeah. like this. So there are probably more a paladin who got really there. cut up in disco. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. or or maybe he's a rogue dark elf who. Um, it's all about happiness and colors. <laughs> yeah, and 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 That's made basically it to the, the character I'm playing now, and made okay. it to the surface to follow a unicorn god, and and so on and so forth. And then you have a a 15 
book series written about him. Yeah. <laughs> Dritt Sword. Right? Yeah. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, boy. this is that guy. <laughs> it's your boy, Dritz. Yeah. It's your boy. This is that guy that, that broke the mold and did something that, that it doesn't make sense in this specific uh, locale. Granted, that was a locale that was specifically built for Dritz to run away from. I, th- <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you, I'm, well, I'm naming my next role-playing game character C-H apostrophe B-O-I. It's your boy. <laughs> it's your boy. <laughs> hey, get your boy. It's your boy. But uh, even even Dritz, though, had uh, sort of precursor characters right, that right. wanted to break the mold and, and weren't able to. Like right. he, he, he has his father character that just like couldn't yep. get out, and he breaks free in, in spite of that. Absolutely. It is I. A lot of ways to a lot of ways to go Chibouti. about it. Um, ultimately, I think if you can, my brother Chibuti. <laughs> ultimately, I think if you can justify the character's existence, the player is good for it. The player is um, uh, good with the character. They they have some piece of the game that's tied specifically to them. Whether it's the Hello Kitty thing, or you know, Lisa, whatever, <laughs> Lisa Frank, whatever. That should crack me up. And if you were and able, he like to, came if, in and he brought the like folder, and he's like, "Yeah, this is the inspiration for my new character." That's amazing. Oof. You as the GM need to figure out a way to get that to include this character in your game. If you can't, it, that's kind of your failing as well. I mean, you you need to figure out a way to do it. That needs to be part of the puzzle. I think you're right, Mac. At least at least some foothold. You know, the, the there, there's got to be a damn good reason why the samurai's in the Western game. <laughs> yeah, but I like that kind of stuff. There's got to be a damn good reason why Keanu Reeves is in another one of these movies. Yeah. <laughs> why the fuck is he the last samurai again? <laughs> why is he the man of Tai Chi? Why is he playing yeah. Japanese characters? Who the now? fuck thinks he looks like he's Asian? He's like one-fourth he's Japanese half, or something. No way. He's like half Hawaiian. That's not even close <laughs> to Japan. Just like a sandwich? Yeah. Like a- yeah, forget you know, that. You know what you call the matriarch of the Ch clan? Chip boy? No, the matriarch. <laughs> Chimama. Oh. Uh, huh? Okay. okay. Uh, 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 this is going to be a thing. Uh, this is going to be a thing. Where you say a joke and we're all like, oh. All right, well. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the thing. Oh. All right, well. Chip that was a relatively weighty uh, uh What's on your horizon? Me. Yeah. That was and a whole episode. That was better than whatever we got planned. <laughs> was it a whole it episode, or did it have a hole in it? Did it have a hole in it? If it's is it a bagel? It's if, if donut is just a bagel with no hole. Wait, <laughs> how do we figure this out? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Sabotage. I had it. I had it. I had an argument for this once, where a donut and the bagel were the same thing, right? Factory workers. I mean, the dough's all different. No, it's the same thing. One's just, like, baked differently. <laughs> totally wrong, different. Sir. Do you have any people waiting to call in on the call-in line yeah. that we can, like, Can we go call to? somebody in for, like... <laughs> Let's go to the phone. Real we, quick, for, like, the last thing yeah. at the end, can we just, like, hey, call somebody in? You know what? That's a, that's a, good, that's a good idea. You know, I, I had this idea. Would anybody be interested in a call-in show? Where really, are you like I talking mean, to us? Or I control the hell out of you. Yeah. 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 I'm talking about us. I'm talking about listeners. Would anybody interested in a, be interested in a call-in show where we do it? Hook this thing Love up to line. Google Plus. Um, I've and been having some trouble. Tweet with my tweet the PG. phone number and whatnot, and say, "Hey, we're recording right now. Get on the line. We can talk about whatever." I, I don't know. I've been kicking it around. Well, if you want to, if you want to just do it and be like, "It's happening," and, and don't just see if anybody shows but, like, up. Don't don't like. Be heartbroken if 
nobody does anything. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I agree. No, I, I think we should do that. I think we could set it up in yeah. a way to where it looks like we're really doing it, but we can fake the whole thing. And then we can do <laughs> another one. Just get, where people I'm a 27-year-old like, hey, who's never been in an adult relationship, but I've seen every episode of Friends and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so I'm qualified to give you relationship advice. <laughs> Who are, you yeah. are you talking about Why you? <laughs> no, I'm making up it. Oh, yeah. all right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Um, that went that went pretty long, so we'll do something a little light for the next segment. Um. So uh, with with uh. Much longer than the needed deliberation, we decided to shoot off some crackpot theories about where the plane is. <laughs> Dan just seems fucking annoyed. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like, fuck this podcast. Y'all fucking retarded. This is stupid. <laughs> I'm going to go home do my own podcast. He's talking about a bunch Don't of dumb shit. Don't air your grievances with our listeners. One of these right? assholes wanted to play 20 dog, questions. Get your nose out of your goddamn phone and contribute a little. He's been playing that stupid ball game. I hate him. Every time I see a stupid oh, fucking face. Listen, That's I know totally you're a big case. dick on this podcast. That's yeah. totally not Doesn't the mean case. all of us aren't <laughs> carrying a little weight. I just wanted to play fucking 20 questions <laughs> all right that that uh that's totally not the case i'm just we're up against the time wall and i actually want to be able to close time out the wall. show close out the show with uh something entertaining just, just do a just do a, a rapid fire quick round nobody take longer than a minute or two well let's just see what see what comes all right, of it he's just got it yeah. so we've got the we got the plane missing yeah yeah we got i, I wasn't prepped for this who's got more information oh i can here? brief i'm famous for my briefs let's go brief yeah <laughs> Pink, <laughs> pink with black stripes. Uh, cording. Yeah. I mean, that's one pair. I mean, <laughs> wait, yeah. the black stripes are printed. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so Malaysia flight. What the hell ever? Two, four, five, three, four, seven. Mh or whatever. There are sevens and ones and threes. The Boeing seven seven seven, I believe. Yeah, right. Yeah, as as I'm sure everybody knows, because it's been like the only news story this week. The only conjecture. Who Lindsay Lohan's been having sex with, and what happened to this plane? Right. So, flying from Malaysia to wherever, nobody cares. Had a couple of weird communications, then was out of communication for a long time, dropped off radar, transponder signal went away, communications technology went away. I heard the phones kept ringing. Yeah, people, so there's been a lot of, mis, there's been a lot of speculation, a lot of misinformation. Seri- people with relatives on the, mysterious. on the plane who had cell phones on the plane would call the numbers and they would hear the, the, the cell phones ringing. These people believed that the cell phones wouldn't be ringing if the phones were destroyed, but that's not true. Phones will, uh, in in our international phone network, phones will ring while they're trying to locate. Your phone will ring while it's trying to locate another phone in the network. And if it doesn't locate it, it will just stop. All right. It'll either go to voicemail if you have voicemail or it will just stop ringing. So they were thinking that, th- that phones were being hung up when, in fact, they were just being not found across the network. That's been verified now by the communications companies that actually tried to see if they could locate the phones and they can't. Um, a really interesting Isn't technique. Like GPS in a phone? A really interesting there is, and there's GPS. There's a GPS on a plane, yeah. and a, and a transponder. All of those were turned off. They a really interesting technique. It turned out was that you because GPS works off of satellites. Even even though, as it turns out, planes are not always in radio contact or radar contact of you know terminals and uh, towers. 
It turns out that there are blind spots in our radar coverage of the world, which is kind of daunting. Not of the United States. It also turns out, but other <laughs> just people. just in case anybody was listening. NORAD's pretty on the ball. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, Don't you try anything. Canada. Eh. Nobody um, cares enough. Well, yeah. So once, once you get what far you enough hit? north. Like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, a moose, eh? Yeah. Oh, eh? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> oh, tur- turned out to be a moose statue. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. I wonder who built that. So, uh, an interesting technique was that G- the, the plane does always have GPS, and it should always be sending a signal back to the satellite, and the satellite should always be telling it where it is. Now, the satellites actually, it turns out, cache a lot of that data. But, once again, this was turned off. It was turned off. Yeah. So... There's a lot of speculation about what happened. There's a huge radius that was the possible like uh, flight distance or whatever from, right. from where it was last uh, on radar and when it was last contacted. There's all kinds of crazy crap uh, uh, circulating around. We should probably talk about what we think happened. Okay, so I'm going to set the stage. Speculation is awesome. This so is I'll- this is now a think tank, <laughs> and the obvious the obvious thing is uh, it got hijacked. By very able hijackers who it was fucking there Bane. were what I answer it's over now we have been put together to come up with a theory that actually uh, to to think outside the box and figure out much like your Bane idea figure out what actually happened to the plane. Do you feel in charge? <laughs> what you don't know is that it had a secret cargo of market fresh strawberries. Okay. And Bane is very interested uh, in fiber. Fiber. Oh, oh fiber. <laughs> what? That was a pi- that was a that was a parrot, dude. Oh, fiber. Oh, fiber. Huh? I just didn't put my hand over my face. <laughs> very <laughs> painful. Oh, fiber. See, now it's beautiful Bane, right? So Bane's a parrot. Probably what a cracker. Right. If no one's nope. ever seen the Bane outtakes, obviously. Watch All right. Them. So, Steve, what do you got? What do you bring into the table there? Uh, 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 super brain. Uh. <laughs> All right, Steve, the super brain. <laughs> so Steve gets into a position where he really just tries to empathize and tries to connect mentally with mm. with the people that were on the plane, and he's not there yet. You Lucas, what do you right got? Now, he's, he's crying. I, he's, he'll get. He's getting there. Uh, well, there were there were two important details. One, one is uh, there were two or three individuals that got on without valid passports. Two right, yeah. fake passports. All right, two Lucas passports. is now uh, Jeff Goldblum in this movie. Uh, uh, <laughs> Carry on. Uh, the chaotic and. Uh, the the other detail now is that Malaysia has given up on trying to find this plane. <laughs> now that just, sounds creepy. They're just done because <laughs> um, it costs a, a lot of money for the investigation, and they don't have, they have any no, idea. No leads and no <laughs> techniques. Like that's why they employed us. Like the twenty five dollars in a case of uh, uh, Natty Light. The path while they could still track it was just jagging all around, and then stopped. Um, I think so, the last the last thing I said is maybe it's near Australia. Maybe but. it's near Australia. So did it crash in <laughs> the water? We don't know. There's did a, it crash at all? There's a uh, <laughs> we- a satellite mapping company that's been having people that's been crowdsourcing having people literally just look at screenshots of the ocean to try to see if they can see wreckage. Um, nothing conclusive yet. There was one supposed spot where somebody thought they saw something. But Where's the, a damn Google Earth car when you need it? Well, th- I mean, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Th- that's the sort of thing people are looking at. It's the Google boat. What's really suspicious <laughs> in this case, which is all throughout mine, um, <clears throat> for, for the purpose of pure imaginative speculation, which we we, should, we don't need to... I'll, I'll do the one that's probably the most likely and everybody else can say aliens and shit, which <laughs> if you don't say it, I'm going to say it. Um, <laughs> Well, there was that tabloid where they found the plane on the moon. <laughs> right. So, 
There were no communications of any problems. There was a weird lapse in communication followed by something that sounded like someone, they think the co-pilot is saying, all right, good night. Um, so the pilots are drunk. Peace. All, all, passed out. all of the safety, <laughs> Sorry. all of the safety signaling devices were turned off, turned off. Like not. It sounds like a, a drunken, a, hey, watch this. I'm going to turn this shit off, man. We don't need this. I got this. <laughs> well, the speculation Whoa. is they're looking at either the, 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 the pilot and the co-pilot or there was a civil aviation engineer on board. Okay. Um, and two creeps they're, they're with stolen passports. Might, they're thinking that this might be the first non-terrorist example of air piracy. Wow. Air piracy. So it was based. Brian, awesome. I know. I was right. Wait a minute. Air Pirates has already been done. It was a group of guys in the 70s who made president by challenging Disney. <laughs> there was anyway, also, there's also D.B. Cooper. What? Steve, yeah. you have... You're, you're oh, supposed, yeah, D.B. Cooper. You're supposed yeah. to be connecting, man. You're supposed to be connecting with... the it's homeboy, D.B. Cooper. Back. He's still alive, and he's at it again. Are you guys speaking <laughs> fucking a foreign language? What are you talking about? I've never heard of D.B. Cooper? D.B. Cooper, what, the, what did you talk about? Disney? Air Pirates was when they were was people who were broadcasting pirate radio stations. No, Air Pirates was uh, it was a self published comic book that was like Mickey Mouse banging Minnie Mouse and all this like oh, crazy okay. stuff back in the sixties yeah, with Jesus. like you remember Zap Comics like Keep on Trucking and that shit. <laughs> it was like it was like stuff with those guys, <laughs> and they ch- they set precedent with like the parody. The parody loophole for copyright. Cool. And, and what you're saying is these guys were on Malaysia flight. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, I'm saying. So, so Steve is connected with at least a couple of the people that were on the flight. Yeah. He's gone at least four degrees of crazy. And, <laughs> and he's got pictures of Mickey and Minnie. No, I'm not saying it was situation. the Air Pirates cartoons. I'm saying Mickey Mouse was on the plane. <laughs> oh, I'm taking over this plane. Huh? All right, all right, assholes. Turn off all the safety precautions. Well, Mickey, but Mickey, where where are you taking us? Mickey, where are we going? We're going straight to hell. No, we're going to Disneyland. We're going to Disneyland. Oh. The, the, the plane is going to be the centerpiece of looks. Disneyland, Australia. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Oh boy. Uh, so so, how about? Um, how about Bermuda Triangle type stuff? You know what? Could this be? Could this all be a? Is this is this a callback to our shipwrecked episode where how did you get to the crazy place and so on and so forth? Yeah, this is lost. Okay. There is a there is a region south of Japan a bit called the Devil's Triangle, which okay. yeah. is is in the vicinity of where the plane went missing. So is this but, the beginning of the next? Is decently the, far off. This is the. It was lost in the Straits of Borneo, which is surrounded by islands. Castaway IRL. Well, orangutans in Borneo. Maybe it was the orangutans. Yeah. The orangutans, yeah, Mickey Mouse, the Zap comic guys, <laughs> and Bane, and Bane, <laughs> all teamed up. To I, got, f- I, I got another one for you, uh, or pirates. Um, okay, uh, could this be a publicity stunt for the Godzilla movie? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> That'd be really that's cool. A, that's a solid theory, Mac. And if not, we need to sell this idea to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> what if they were flying over in an area, and it was like an unlike mapped area? It's fucking dragons, dude. Just turned out there were over Valyria. Happened to find out there's some dragons. Ate that shit right up. I'm not buying that one. I'm not buying that one either. No. They'd have killed us all by now. That's right. <laughs> um, uh-uh. He saw a rate of fire. Yeah, Techno Viking killed that shit with a hammer or yeah, something. Yeah, 20 years later. <laughs> so, this is going to drive everyone nuts if they don't figure out and just give up. 
They basically oh, it's already gonna be, have. It's going to be the new, you know. Yeah, it's a new thing for yeah. sure. It, it's, I mean, Brian doesn't know who are... DB Cooper is. Oh yeah, ba- back in the uh, it was 70s? like the it was like the early seventies. Seventies. Yeah. DB Cooper was a was just a, a white guy who took a plane hostage. He had guns on him, several, I think. I think he told somebody he had a grenade, but nobody ever really yeah. saw it. I can't remember the details of this thing. He took a plane hostage in the United States. Um, he flew, him, <gasps> he, he had them land somewhere or whatever. He unloaded all the passengers. He said, if you give me my ransom, I'm going to fly again or whatever. He said, if you get a bunch of, uh, uh, if, if you pay me my money, I'll let the plane go and everything. I'm going to fly it around a little bit more. Um, so they expected to catch him. They put the money on the plane because it's like, where's he going to land and get off the plane that we can't just immediately arrest him? Well, <laughs> Somewhere over, uh, Washington. Yeah. Somewhere over, like, Oregon, Washington, Oregon or Washington. He, while the plane was in flight, uh, he popped the tail cone he, off. He, 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 he lowered the, yeah. the rear, uh, 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 stairwell that there yeah. was a rear stairwell on it and had a parachute and jumped out the back. <laughs> he was never found. Some of the money supposedly has been found. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, the, there oh, people. Oh, sweet. He's like Operation. Success. Yeah, there are people who yeah. have. What happened to the plane? It was fine. I mean, it was still piloted. Like, yeah, there the were still people were still on the plane. There. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, the, there are people who have found uh, money, degraded bills. Yeah, like stacks the- of bills. You know, like quarter stacks, half was, stacks, was that kind of thing. Half stacks <laughs> and uh, paper stacks. The whole. Uh, like speculation is that he was an airline employee and nobody really knows if he, okay. Nobody knows if he, some, something happened and he died and like didn't survive. A lot of parachuting experts say that he jumped into forest and there's like, yeah. no, you would never do that because yeah. you get hung up on a tree. You literally can't get down and you just die there. Yeah. And just nobody found him. Or he just, for some reason, like left some of the money and basically got away with it, and maybe was, it uh, was living. For maybe it a long wasn't time. about the money. He got seen. Right, <laughs> it's message. all about the money. <laughs> it is all about the measurements. He was seen by a ton of people. There's sketch sketch yeah. uh, 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 renderings of him all over. He was wearing a uh, uh, a, a, a suit, nice, yeah. a nice suit, and black, uh, black aviator sunglasses the entire time. He's a distinctive looking person, but nobody's ever identified him. Yeah. All right, so DB Cooper aside. Where's this damn plane? Bane. I think this plane is in Thailand. Why? Because I think it was pirates. You think it was pirates? I think that all 300-something people on it have been murdered, and the plane is being chopped up. Why? Because if they were going to ransom them, you'd, you'd have heard something Right, about but why would now. they do it in the first place? Why would they steal a plane to chop it up? That's, that's the thing. That's the good. I think it's a little unlikely that it's pirates. So the cargo but I, hold had... But I don't think that it's impossible that there are dumb pirates in the world. Well, I, I agree with that. Yeah, it's like, what have they got? They got a bunch of cell phones they yeah. can't sell. You got a plane you can't sell except for parts, and not even really then. Um, you got a bunch of people you can't... You've got satellite contact cut off and stuff. You 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 happen to go down in one of the places that only has... In one of the few places in the world that has a satellite blindness... Uh, it turns out there's a lot of places that are like uh, well that's fine did you know that and you're a pretty intelligent gentleman right, right? well it, it was people who were in the know yeah uh, but uh, the people in the know surely had to carry this out beyond let's get the plane like, yeah but <laughs> sea, sea captains became pirates and it still wasn't a, g- a great plan like they they knew how to pilot ships they knew they, they knew how to navigate the seas they weren't great economists so like, yeah, but if they knew how to do all this, there's no reason they'd be doing it. Just so this to, like, is the second half of D.B. Cooper's plan. 
He, uh, I think some people are dumb. I think DB Cooper died in a forest because he's an idiot. <laughs> Bane has has recruited a, a, ba- an Bane army the, of orangutans, yeah. and, uh, he's been, and and Mickey Mouse. He's yeah. been funded by Mickey Mouse <laughs> to steal this mouse. plane yeah. and and get it to Australia for the unveiling at the grand opening of Disneyland, Disneyland Australia. Australia. You can't this make any what money off of hawking all these pieces. So the real scary question is, what do you need a plane for? What do you need a seven seven seven? What do you need an apparently of invisible plane for? Yeah, no, it's it's, it's, it's Wonder, Woman. Wonder Woman. It's not just Wonder a, Woman. That's it. It's Wonder Woman. <laughs> I feel that's like we figured uh, it out. Uh, who murdered all three hundred people? That's man. correct. <laughs> it's Wonder Woman. Woo. There's there's the answer. A plane she can never land anywhere. And plane's invisible. She can like land what, anywhere she wants. What sinister use could it have though? Like, are they gonna? It's not. It's not going to be to attack America because we could just. I think if you figure out a reason, you might. You might just know what happened. Why do you? Why do you need a seven seventy seven, a Boeing seven 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 that you can never land at any legal place that you that you probably can get fuel and parts for that you have people who know how to fly? It is now off radar. It is off the books because you had. If you could, if you could just buy one, you would have just bought one. The. There was uh, some talk about the the caliber of people that were on the plane as well, working for uh, technological companies and whatnot as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm not sure that that was true. I, I don't know. I don't know what's true and what's not because news apparently just some blogger like this. This show may be may be credited in the next newscast for this thing. Right. Some conspiracy blogger said that there were tech execs on the plane who were looking to open up contracts with China, so the CIA destroyed the plane. Um, but that was cited by a newspaper as bullshit. Like they were just giving an example of the f- sort of far-fetched schemes that are out there. Now, aliens, on the other hand, are completely reasonable. Like that should happen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, broke, <laughs> couldn't do it. All right. So Wonder Woman yeah. is tired of flying bow, around bow, in her bow, little bow, bow. her little Cessna thing and looking like an idiot in the seated position flying through the air. <laughs> Yeah, well, so, so she decides to get flying through the air. She's actually in the toilet. <laughs> she decides to get <laughs> an invisible jet. Figuratively and invi- really invisible jet. So that, like, she's in a jet. She doesn't have to look like she's on the toilet all the time. So, so it's like she's in the jet and she has to take a crap, right? Right. So presumably everything that is her body or that comes out of her body isn't going to be invisible. So it's just every once in a while. So she has see, to have a jet with real walls. No, you, it's every once in, every once in a while you see Wonder Woman, <laughs> Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman flying around in the seated position with an uh, invisible jet around her. You can't see the jet and like a few pieces of poop like behind her that you can see. So it's just like, why is that is there woman invisible flying around water in the, in the invisible position? jet's invisible toilet? <laughs> nope, just dry poops right out of the plane. <laughs> well, it's a plane toilet. There shouldn't be water in it. Oh, good lord. All right, um, oh, Steve, did you connect <laughs> with any of the other passengers on the flight yet? I'm sorry? Have you mentally connected with any other passengers on the flight yet? Uh, what kind of ship's <clears throat> counselor are you if you're not psychic? <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. That's it? Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. What, what do you want to know? They're pretty know chill. He, he, he doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> I'm not going to be like one of those psychics that got that got the bunk. I'm after. not going to psych and tell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm psychic. Thought, I'm not going to tell you what I'm thinking so you can't tell me, prove yeah, me I'm wrong. I'm not going to be one of those psychics <laughs> who's like telling people what people are thinking. Duh. I'm just uh, going to know. And you just know an that incredible I know. intrusion. <laughs> like, why would you? D- I can read your why mind, is, but I'm not going to. Why is this guy on Why is this guy on this think tank? What's going guy, on here? Guy at Starbucks with a can saying, I can read your mind, but I'm not going to. 
<laughs> I used that's, to. That's great. Thanks. How how about uh, how about you, Jeff, Mr. Goldblum? You got anything else? <laughs> uh, no, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm sticking with the Disneyland theory. All right. All right. Hmm. They're all Imagineers, and uh, <laughs> 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 they had to go deep undercover. <laughs> so because they're Did so you do know that they are. They could. This is a possibility. They're breaking ground on making Avatar Land or Avatar World and Disney World, and they said they were going to have actual f- legit floating islands. <laughs> so maybe there's some sort of they're getting unobtainium or something. I want to know <laughs> what actual legit floating island means. <laughs> that was in the press release. Yeah, Mickey Mouse is like, we're going to have legit floating islands. I'm Googling actual <laughs> like legit floating li- islands right now. Legit floating. Is that just what you're typing in? Actual <laughs> legit floating <laughs> islands. Let's see what comes up. I thought you had actually seen the press release and were actually like bold face telling me. No, they said it. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, <laughs> got anything? Apparently, how to apparently it's a book. Islands. Got something here called The Straight Dope Could Be the Floating Islands of Life of Pi. You need to add uh, Disney World. Uh, I'm just, just trying to see what the actual legit floating islands. Have the rules about floating island structures changed? There were rules about this? Um, Could be floating as in like Venice is floating. <laughs> this is intriguing. Could a be ghost can be like used a, for cheating. A counter or t- tile or flooring. Uh, a floating island is it? Uh, not affixed to the floor. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Carpentry jokes. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Mickey just like kidnapped ah. all these people, all these scientists and stuff, allegedly, to uh, engineer the actual legit floating island. Oh, <laughs> That's all That's you fuckers work yeah. for me now. <laughs> and, and he had to try out. You buy had, your weather for me now. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to try out making the plane invisible because the yeah. reason they couldn't do the floating islands in Disneyland is because they couldn't get airspace clearance for it. So they have to make it so that people can't see it. This is it. The orangutans are the equivalent of Disney Oompa Loompas. Bane is just bored, and DB Cooper's just uh, 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 he, he just had Walt an idea. Disney is DB Cooper. <laughs> <He's> got- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that hit me. <laughs> Mickey, all right, Mickey Mouse has them all in Thailand somewhere. Like, welcome to my nightmare, asshole. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you go in the box. <laughs> He's got, like, the island. He's, got, he's got Dobermans and shit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't fucking goofy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see any Pluto around here. Yeah. Oh, my he's God. He's always got a machete through his belt. <laughs> all right, all right. Our gloves are just covered in blood. <laughs> Two orangutans around him at all times. <laughs> These are my bitches. <laughs> all right. I, I think we've... Uh, I'm pretty sure we solved it. So call CNN. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call wake it. up tomorrow morning and be like the mouse responsible. <laughs> it's gonna be Mickey Mouse yeah. with like some five o'clock shadow and it's, it's crazy just, wild hair. It's they just found him in a cave somewhere. He's, he's wearing a Bane mask. He's like, yeah, he's wearing, <laughs> he's wearing a Bane mask. <laughs> <laughs> I see you figured out my plan. <laughs> Donald Duck with a turban and, a, and and his and his feathers have grown further out from his chin. Yes, yes, praise a lot. Can you just see him? Yeah. Can you just see the subtitles? <laughs> the infidels. I'm trying, <laughs> trying to quack Arabic or Persian. <laughs> <laughs> Farsi, I mean, sorry. Oh. 
they drew first blood, not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to call it. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Carpegium Gamecast in all its glory. Doing God's work, solving problems. Tune in next time. I'm Dan. I'm Mac. Steve. I'm uh, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Goldblum. And I'm Bane. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Bane. Uh-huh. And remember, support the hobby. Support the industry. Support your local game store. Support Lord Mouse. Max eating worms over here. <laughs> Eat some of this. Oh, God. That came out of your throat. You're eating worms, Mac. <laughs> Mac, what are you eating? worms, Michael. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? Some of, drink some of this, Michael. Have what are you talking about? Maggots, Michael. You're eating What the hell are you talking days. about? What's Michael? <laughs> Lost Boys. Lost Boys, dude. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Fucking Kiefer Sutherland's heyday. You know, I just recently watched that movie. Mm hmm. It sucks. <laughs> what about Sax Man? You don't like Sax Man? <laughs> like, I was expecting some awesome. Come on, man. The Frog Brothers were some of the greatest characters to come out of Frog 80s Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. And you know, actually, how much they're in the movie? Barely any of it. Uh, there's. Hey, does somebody get killed on antlers in that? Yeah, that yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. Can yeah, you yeah. kill? Can you kill vampires with antlers? <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know how you can kill a vampire? No two vampires die the same, man. You, you can kill a vampire <laughs> any fucking way you want. You know why? Because they don't fucking exist. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, God, what's the I Am Legend, the book? Okay. He, like, carries around a deer antler because it, like, yeah. repels the, like, evil. You actually only need a stake made of wood or yeah. a woodland animal. Yeah. <laughs> or a That's why Santa Claus <laughs> is definitely protected from vampires. Or yeah. just a steak. No, he just smells like garlic. Like a medium rare. <laughs> Mrs. Claus likes to cook a lot of Italian. <laughs> All right, let's take that break. I was talking. The Carpe Diem Gamecast is presented under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License Version 3.0. To contact us with questions, comments, and other feedback, please send your emails to dan at carpegm.net. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at C-A-R-P-E underscore G-M. Thanks for listening.